0: Hey, this is Nathan James from Glorious, and you're listening to Jay Scott the Hook Rocks podcast. Take back. A lot of hey everyone, so welcome and back to the Hook back. Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott, taking you uh, along the way here for the next 45 minutes to an hour or so, and uh, just wanted to thank you all for checking out our year-end album review episodes where we did two-part series, we did our top 30 we had over almost six hours of discussion on 160 albums um, outside of the top 30. We had some contributions from our friends in the Groove Council. We also had Don Jameson, Matt Wake, and Pete Dangleson offer their slots as well. But uh, thank you for listening. I hope you appreciate all the new music that's out in 2021, all the new bands. There's no excuse to say you can't find new music because it's pretty much laid out all there in that episode. So check it out. Once again, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. Something for everyone. Everyone's music taste is on Pantheon Podcast. I always mention some of my friends who've been on the show, like Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, the number one kiss podcast, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carey out in Boston. Ron and Esty, Vinny Apice, and Carmen Apiece on the Hanging and Banging podcast, as well as Baco on Cobras and Fire. So check those out as well as all the others. You can find them at pantheonpodcast.com and on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Pantheon Pods. You can follow the Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts. Um, on any podcast platform, don't forget to see your app to automatic download so you get all the latest episodes, and you can also go back through the catalog. We've got 329 episodes, so go check that out. Uh, something for everyone. New music spotlights, music commentary, legacy artists, so please uh, please give us a uh, a listen. You can also find us on Twitter at Pantheon Pods as well as Facebook. And we'd like to welcome in our next guest to another new music spotlight, a band that uh, I absolutely love. And uh, I hope at some point I was supposed to see them with Jared James Nichols in Braidwood, Illinois, but unfortunately Jared had an accident, broke his arm. I was disappointed because I'm like, oh, I get to see both these bands that I had not seen yet. Uh, hopefully they do come back, but I'd, I'd like to welcome TJ Lyle from the Georgia Thunderbolts. What's going on, TJ? How are you? Hey, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Like I said, big fan of the band. Big fan of the album. Can we get a witness? And uh, looking forward to talking more about it with you.
1: I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I wish we could have. Actually, would have been our first time, our second time to Illinois. If uh, Jared hadn't he got hurt, And we were like we were really looking forward to that man. That would, it, we made such great friends with that guy on that tour. Gosh, what a cool dude!
0: Yeah, Jared's a, a great guy. I had him on a couple months ago, and we talked about it. I guess he slipped and he, you know, broke uh, the arm like in two places or something like that, and yeah, you know, something crazy like
1: up top. And oh God, I don't know, but it was it was rough, man. It was, yeah. it was
0: a big pain. We're all scared for him. Well, hopefully, you guys get back to. Chicago at some point oh um, yeah in 2022
1: I, th- I think there's some stuff on the dates uh on the books so uh hopefully we'll be headed that way soon i think one of the last ones we had was uh at lafayette's uh was that where was that in? no it was in uh, it was south south Chicago it was down around that area with blackstone cherry uh cherry and that was a uh, it was a really cool area I just can't remember the name of it
0: Was it near Uh, like the St. Louis area?
1: uh, It was a little more, yeah, I think it was actually. It was a little downtown strip. We weren't very far.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, people forget how close St. Louis is to the border of Illinois, but it's way down south. It's like four and a half hours from Chicago. When,
1: When we played in Wisconsin, I didn't realize how close Wisconsin was to Chicago. That blew my mind.
0: Yeah. It's like an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 20 minutes. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I
1: was like, I was like, oh, it's going to take forever. And I woke up and I was like, whoa, it's been like 30 minutes. I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, hey, before we begin, before we get more into it, we always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest on the podcast. It's really what we're all about, just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: Um. I think it was 2000 and it had to be 2000 from 2002 to 2003 somewhere in those years that I don't remember exactly that was so long ago uh, my my grandfather had a, a purple PT cruiser and he worked at uh, he worked at the power plant down the road here you could actually see it looking out of the window uh, but we were driving down the road one day and he bought he had just bought this CD uh, it was a um, live bullet. Bob Seger and that was my first uh first like knowledgeable experience of being like this is freaking awesome I mean it it started in with uh Nutbush city limits and from there on it was just like a driving force the whole entire time and I was like I was still a kid man I was like god this is amazing you know it changed. it really changed my life forever
0: that's interesting because two things on that Number one, uh, I had an uncle who recently passed, and I was talking to my cousins about him. And he was always into credence, seager, the eagles, and you know, that kind of sound, Jackson Brown. And I remember going down because he lived in California. I remember he was driving me down to my grandma's in, in Palm Springs, and he put on Against the Wind by Bob oh, Seeger. And he really was in the Bob Seger and he talked about how Bob's all. You know, Bob Seger always tells a story in his songs. Like you have a, a visual, whether it's Night Moves or Against the Wind or Ramblin' Man or whatever. But as far as that album goes, the the version of Turn the Page is so. It, it, you know, it's one of those songs. Every band who's released a live album always has that moment on the album where a song that maybe you overlooked. Because it just didn't hit you, comes alive. No, yeah, no becomes, pun intended. It, that
1: song becomes the driving force of that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's happened to us plenty of times. Like we have some songs we don't play on the record, but we'll break it down and play it live. And it'll just, like, time will stand still. You know, it's just one of those things.
0: And it, you know, it makes sense now because you guys did a cover song of Night Moves, you know, kind of yeah. just, you know, sitting down and, and you got the beatbox and you guys are just doing it. It was an incredible, incredible version of it. Uh, I just you. absolutely loved it. So, you know, that makes sense now that you're mentioning, you know, the earliest of, of, of your influences is, is Bob Seger.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And we also, we did, we do this song. Um, it's actually written by, uh, Frankie Miller. Uh, he's from, uh, Scotland, you know, he's a, he's a big guy. He was a big guy over in Scotland, but him and, uh, Bob Seger were actually friends, and um, he wrote the song called "I Ain't Got No Money," and we we actually do "I Ain't Got No Money" in our live set. And if you haven't heard that, you need to check that that uh, that that original song out by Frankie Miller. He's unreal. I mean, that's where that's where I feel a lot of those guys learned how to sing, like Rod Stewart, and uh, you know, like Paul Rogers and all that. They really got that swing from man. It was like if you've ever seen the old movie Shampoo. From the early seventies,
0: yeah, wasn't that with Warren Beatty? Yes, yeah.
1: that style of clothes that he's wearing that come from Frankie Miller.
0: Okay,
1: the the and like it was like the the English big white pirate shirt and it, and it was like but still it was like the leather uh, biker jacket you know and the hair you know it was it was so cool it was so cool but yeah we do I ain't got no money and it's just. The place comes alive when we do it, man.
0: It's so cool, you know, I can tell the the influence on Seeger that he has on your writing style too as well. you know there's a lot of similar patterns as to the way he you know writes when when you're writing a song, you know are you do you want to tell a story are you are you singing about something personal, observation, you know thoughts point of view where do you get your your motivation to write?
1: Um, I normally get my motivation from you know things that I've, I've I, I, that I may have personally gone through, or or things that I hear people talk about, or sometimes you know I just want to tell a story, uh, you know, a positive story, and just I just I go swimming in my mind, and it's just a big you know ever changing circle. I read a good bit these days, and and I think that that helps out a lot. You know, I read a lot about about you know like history and you know and I read a lot about like stories and stories of times gone and stuff like that like uh uh oh, what is that book I have it's uh on the road again um, gosh I can't think of his name I got the book somewhere but anyways it's it was a book actually mentioned in a Van Morrison song um but I can't remember uh it's Jack Kerouac that's it uh, on the road again and it talks about like all the beatniks the beatnik era and stuff and i'm reading that now and it, it, it i just get a lot of stories from stuff like that And you know people i hear talking and sometimes somebody will just say a cool word and they have no idea what they just said and i'm like that's really cool i'm gonna steal that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so when when you're writing and in, in your you know coming up with the lyrics and and, and speaking you know through the song you, What is that process like for you? You know, how do you develop? How do you develop a song?
1: Well, I normally develop a song by you know I'll sit and I'll write a story, and I I, the way I I'll tell you exactly the way I do it. I'll sit and this is I'm I'm talking to you right where I write. So I sit and I I'll write down you know I'll I'll just start writing the story of like a daily habit or something that I've done before or something like I said that you know, I've heard before and I'll just go through that and I'll sing it over and over and over until I feel like I have a cool enough melody before I ever even pick up an instrument. So I'm singing over and over and over. And then sometimes I'm, I'm singing in a key and I'll have to, you know, change the guitar to what I'm singing to. And sometimes I have to change it to what the guitar wants me to do. But I'll go over and over and over singing that I actually learned that from uh from uh Jackson Brown. I was watching a documentary one time of Jackson Brown, and he said, I think he played Dr. My Eyes over every morning from 7 a.m. when he was living in Echo Park. Every morning from 7 a.m. to oh shoot, what was it? It was some crazy hours. He just sang it over and over and over. The first verse until he felt like he was ready to move on to the course. And that's kind of the same thing I do. I just want to make sure that the words are so universal and so relatable and so and and as positive as they can be. And I just want to make sure it's right before I present it to anybody.
0: When you guys were putting together the album, Can We Get a Witness, was that recorded during the pandemic or before? Did you guys hang on to the album? That was before.
1: Yeah, that was actually, that album was supposed to be released. um, What year was that? We recorded that album in 2000 and late 2018, starting in 19. So it's been, uh, and we we worked on it, you know, we we worked on it from 18 to 19. And, you know, everything happens for a reason, because if we would have released it, I don't think it would have done as well because we had to go back and, you know, fix some things that we heard different over time. And most people they don't really get the opportunity to do that because they're so rushed and pressed to get it out so fast. And we actually had time to, you know, you know, in spite of, you know, COVID and stuff, we 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 worked a way around it to where we could still put our our, our new thoughts into what we was doing and go back and re record some stuff. And uh, yeah, but that's been that album's been done since nineteen. Other than other than fixing some things that were already done.
0: How do you stay connected to music like that? You know, you record something. I mean, and then you release it two years ago. Obviously, there were circumstances that led to that happening. But as a band, you're always wanting to create. You want to write music. You want to go on to the next thing and 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 do what you need to do. But you've got a batch of songs that have been recorded. And over time, they become. Well, I don't know. I mean you 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 tell me whether it becomes farther and farther in that rear view mirror and then all of a sudden you release it and you gotta reconnect with that stuff. How do you how do you do that? I think that
1: it was it was a lot easier for us because we play we play a lot live and and we when we play live, we normally stick to the album. We try to play, you know, the album in its entirety and sometimes we'll throw some really cool covers in there. But I think playing those songs live is what keeps us so connected to that. Like, like we played, I think we played six shows during the pandemic, but the whole year of 2000, late 18 and 19, we were playing all of those songs. And I mean, the shows we've been playing lately, I mean, we're playing all of those songs. You know, we we, we don't want to play anything new until we've seen what this album can do and how it, how it has affected people. And the response that we have from that, that's what keeps us going. And that's what keeps us, you know, looking at the songs that the people are singing back to us. And that's what makes us want to write and it makes me want to write songs like that forever. You know, I, I want to write songs like that that people can relate to and people can enjoy. And it's just a magic feeling because we come, we come from very, very small towns. I come from a pretty small town here in Taylorsville, Georgia. And not many people get to do what I do. So it's just an honor. And I feel so blessed to be able to write something where I'm sitting right now and then saying it to people that will actually take time to listen to it. You know,
0: it's also got to be exciting, frustrating that when you're playing stuff live, that's on this album and you've been playing it for the last couple of years and people are connecting with it. People it's resonating with people. And you can't take advantage of that. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, you got to strike when the, when the iron's hot and thankfully, you know, gosh, when I heard this album for the first time, I was like, man, this is, this is, cause I had not heard anything, you know, prior to that, except for the singles that you released. But man, I, I instantly connected to it. My son, who I talk about a lot on, on this podcast, because he's, he's, Seven, he just turned 17. I remember when you guys had the EP out. And I think he was 15 at the time, I want to say, maybe 14. And he, you know, walks by me in the hallway of the house and he goes, Daddy, you gotta check out the Georgia Thunderbolts. I'm like, he? he's cool. like the Georgia Thunderbolts. I'm like, How'd you find them? He's like, I just found them on, on uh on Spotify, you know, the algorithm. Yeah. So I checked them out and I was like, man, these guys are badass. And then, you know, things went quiet, like it went quiet for everybody. And then this album comes out and it just, it blew me away. I mean, it just, it, it is, we picked it as one of our top 30 of 2021. Wow. Um, And uh, it was just absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. And it was, it was great to see you guys go from that EP to this classic album that, um, man, I, I know everyone I know, or I should say everyone I know who's listened to it has connected with it. It's, 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 it's the goods
1: well that's awesome I really appreciate that and that that's why I try to remain in such a positive vein because you never know who's listening yeah you know and there's there's so much there's so much negativity in this world that that's not what I want to write about you know I want to write about everything that's good in life I and mean, you know everything's not good in life you know some some people have it terrible and some people have it good and some have it worse than others but I want to try and make that to where. All of those people can come into one place and get along and sing together and be together. You know, it's all about unity for me. It's all about everybody coming together for the love of the song.
0: Music always does that. I mean, when you think when you you go to a concert, right, whoever it is, there's people with different beliefs, different cultures, different backgrounds. And for that one moment, whether it's an hour, two hours, few hours, whatever, everybody's getting along. Everybody's enjoying it. Yeah. And before and after, though, that's the issue. But, yeah, exactly. but, uh, but you know, it just seems like such a a great place to be. You know, there's nothing like being at a rock concert because oh, yeah. you let the music kind of go through you and, and hit you. And you're with people that are strangers for the most part, and everyone's enjoying it. Uh, it's really, you know, if, 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 if a, every day for 24 hours, seven days a week could be a rock concert, this world would be a beautiful place.
1: you got that. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head with that. That is, that is, that is exactly correct. I mean, you, like you said, you, you look over and see a stranger. And you'll be saying the same thing. Everybody is literally on the same wavelength because you, you're not the only one who has those problems. And sometimes people tend to forget that, you know, and through music, they can relate to their problems and you can relate to your problems and you can realize that it's going to be, a, you know, you're going to have a better day ahead, you know, just just through music. And I think that's one of the most empowering things in this world. And I completely agree that if every day could be a rock concert, this world will be a Wonderful, wonderful place.
0: As far as the band and you know, with this album and recording it, when you guys were writing it, recording it, and sitting on it, did you feel that this was a great album? I mean, there's always that anxiety of man, I don't know if it's gonna people are gonna like it or whatever, but you know, how did you how did you stay positive about this music when you're reflecting on something? a year or two years after it's recorded.
1: And that's a really hard thing to do with as much as I write and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm constantly writing and trying to grow as a writer and, you know, stuff like that. But we stayed positive and we, we had, you no, know, we were optimistic. We really were because the music scene started to change a little bit. Cause I mean, you had Greta Van Fleet coming out and then you had dirty honey, just busted, you know, busting through and, and, we were like, okay, if those if those guys can do this, I think we have a shot. So we were pretty optimistic about it, you know. Because I mean, there's, you know, Dirty Honey singing real music, and uh, Greta Van Fleet's got the got that rock and music, and man, just just, we we just the best thing we, that we did was we had our manager Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters, and he was very positive about things because he had, he's worked on some really cool stuff. You know, he's worked on a lot of Blackstone Cherry stuff. Uh, of, of course, their band, the Kentucky Headhunters, but we he he really we we really had to come together and you know kind of reassure everybody that you know this is our first album, this is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna no matter what happens we're gonna keep going, you know nothing nothing's gonna stop us we're gonna keep doing it until we're heard and you know we were all very positive and uh, I'm I'm glad that we were because things are starting to really really look up.
0: You're absolutely right. When, when you think of rock music and the state of rock music, because we talked about it a lot here on the podcast, prior to the pandemic, you know, it was it seemed to be dire, right? It's it seemed to really, you know, not that rock and roll will ever die because it won't, but it but it seemed to just take a back seat. In fact, it seemed to be in the trunk, you know, for, for the most part, you know, completely forgotten, completely irrelevant. And then you start to have some of these new bands prior to the pandemic start to come and, and connect with a younger audience, but it seems during the pandemic and it continues to this day, it seems to really be taking off right now in terms of um, just connecting with younger people, uh, you know. And you know, you mentioned Greta, you mentioned Dirty Honey. I believe there's a whole new face of rock music and it's exciting it's exciting to see that where do you feel you know things are headed and you know from your perspective from being on stage and, and actually recording the music
1: i think it's coming back around I, I really think that rock and roll is uh is making its it's knocking down the door because every day i look i mean in especially in jacksonville there's a band called uh, fortune child that just came out and they are they're they're great great southern rock band and down in mississippi our, our great friends magnolia bayou and um, out in arkansas band called De france i mean it, it's all of these like greta van fleet and dirty honey they have inspired so much and i think it's really put the fire under everybody and they're like oh my gosh it's not dead you know we, we can do this you know we just got to stick it out you, you really got that's the that's the thing about rock and roll. And I've noticed this in the past seven years is that it's a long road and it's a very greasy road. You know, there's, there's not a lot of showers. So you got to you got to shower when you can. And but but it's worth it. It really is worth it because a rock and roll crowd will be with you forever. You know, they really will. And they'll support you through anything. And that's, that's what's so cool about that. And I think those two bands have really opened up so much opportunity for bands like us and bands all around. that's just, you know, exploding right now. And, you know, we're really thankful for those guys.
0: It really does seem, too, that in the southern states, the rock scene is really growing. You know, you mentioned some bands that you just talked about. You know, Magnolia Bayou, love that band. Um, I just did an interview. I've done a couple interviews over the last few months with with Travis McCready, the former singer of Bishop Gunn, who's got yes. some solo stuff coming out too, as well. But you think of like them Dirty Roses and Alabama, which is a fantastic band. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Mojo Thunder from Kentucky. Yes, it really, you know, it's thriving in 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 the southern states. You know, and and, and you look at who I consider the face of southern rock right now is Blackberry Smoke. you know, really, you know, who does a great job of taking a lot of these bands out on the road with them and connecting with them. Um, I've seen them several times. They always have a different new act that uh, is exciting to see with them, but I'm really excited about that because I love that Southern rock and it really seems like it's thriving and it's vibrant at this point. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and bands like Blackberry Smoke are really, Really. And and Blackstone Cherry also are really opening the door and bringing out these acts because Blackstone took us on tour uh, For they took us on tour in October. Then they took us back on tour in December. And we're super grateful for that. I think that was super cool of them. And it's great for bigger bands to take the time to want to expose new bands. And I think that's really cool of them.
0: Yeah. Blackstone Cherry, I saw a few years back and they had Tyler Bryant opening up for them. (laughs) Which was awesome, and then you guys were on the bill with them with Jared James Nichols. That's really cool. You know, I like when bands do that because I think it's so important to give back and bring these bands on the road. Because let's face it, that's what's going to keep rock and roll relevant. There's always going to be, you know, a new band or new bands coming up to to not replace the legacy artist or or do that, but you know, just to connect with the younger generation. Cause you keep recycling, you know, fans are not recycling fans, but new fans come along every generation. And it's important to do that. I've noticed, cause I go to a lot of concerts that when I was going to concerts in 2018 and 19 and before, it seemed like the crowd was older, you know, more of a classic rock type of crowd. Yeah. And as especially this past year, because there wasn't a lot of concerts in 2020. But um, especially last year, when I would go to shows, you would see a lot more younger people there and enjoying themselves, like having a great time, like really, you know, like I saw the struts in Nick Perry. uh, Yeah. And I was, you know, and I was looking around just kind of scan the crowd and there was like a lot of college age kids and high school kids there. It was awesome. You know, and I I love to see that because, you know, my generation, my age group is not the one bands need to worry about. Right. Because we're already rock fans. We're going to, you know, we're going to be there. But the younger generation, because they're getting pulled in so many different directions, um, is really important. Because like like you said, you know, once you're a rock fan, you're always there. Once a younger person becomes a rock fan, they're a rock fan for life. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. So, what's next for you guys? Um, you know, the year just started. You ended the year on a high note with the album. What's what's on tap in two thousand twenty-two?
1: Oh, we got a bunch of tour dates coming up. You know, if if, if everything goes to plan, we got uh, February the first of February. We've got a few dates for the Marshall Tucker Band, so that'll be really cool. We have played with them a few times, and those guys are always wonderful. So we got we got a few things on the horizon. So fingers crossed for that.
0: When you guys tour with a band like Marshall Tucker Band or another legacy artist who do a show, you know, with your style of music, do you feel, you know, that that uh, that connection with the bands that, um, you know, that have come before you? Is it kind of like they're passing the torch to you? Are they... You know, what's that like for you guys doing that?
1: Oh, man, they welcome they welcome us with open arms. And it's just so surreal because you heard these bands growing up on the radio. And for them to, you know, for them to uh, really reach out and be nice as they are, is just an, it's an unreal feeling. It really is.
0: One of the things that's pretty common with a lot of bands, because there was such a long time in between layoffs, is, you know, they, they recorded a lot of material. And the idea is for a lot of them is that, hey, you know, we basically lost a year or close to it playing for people that, you know, we're going to release this album. We've got more music that we can do either with an EP or another album. So we're able to stay on the road. Is is that your perspective, too, or are you still kind of creating for what's coming next for the band?
1: We're still kind of creating for what's coming next. And, and, and our thing is we want to release as much music as possible. I think that's, that's really the goal. So we can you know we can reach that audience and we can reach that younger audience. And I really think that the only way to do that is through shows and through music. Because, I mean, radio is really not what it used to be for rock and roll. And the way that we can reach those people is if we're out playing and releasing music all the time.
0: When you think of connecting to a a fan, a new fan that's out there, a fan that hasn't discovered you yet. Are you are you looking just to play everywhere? Every show matters. Are you looking to capture a fan through streams? Are you trying to push your stuff maybe on college radio or satellite radio? What's how do you guys approach building your audience?
1: Just i know it's kind of been our weakest link so far because we're not the best social media people but it seems like the the younger people interact so much more with um social media and that that's what we really have to push for is is to reach those guys through uh, you know social media and you know like you said playing those college towns and playing those playing on college radio and like whiskey myers does a great job of that they are They are on point with that stuff. And, you know, uh, just any way, any way possible. Yeah. Yes. Every show to us matters because we're a live band and uh, that's just where we, that's where we do our thing is on the stage. And that's why it's so hard for us to do the social media thing is because we're, we're just so much better in person, you know?
0: I think it's also a difficult thing for a young band because you know as you're playing in the garage or basement and local shows and and you know, really just turning it out in terms of just tightening up the sound and developing your sound what what is lost on a, on a lot of young artists and it's not you know their fault is that they they don't realize that once they get to the next level or a couple levels beyond playing in the basement and garage and the local pub is what you just said. you got to start working social media. And for a band who are musicians and people who create like yourself and the rest of you guys, that's difficult because it's more, it's a completely different approach to what you're doing. You guys are creating, you're making music, you're, you're, you're looking forward to the next show. And then you got to sit down for however many hours a day. And you've got to you know, respond to tweets and Facebook posts and Instagram or TikTok videos or whatever you know platforms you're on. That's that's got to be a challenge. Well, I know that's a challenge for a lot of young artists because they're like, wait, wait a minute, I, I'm I just want to make music now. I got to do this, and it's Absolutely. not that you, and, and it's not that bands mind doing it in terms of connecting with their fans and trying to build their fan base, but it can be a it can be a difficult transition from that creating. Creating music to now, you know, being a marketing person.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it is a completely different ball game, and that's what's. And we're learning, you know, we're learning the steps, and we're watching the other bands that are wonderful at it, and we're just trying to learn from them as much as we can, because they have they have they've reached that audience, you know, and we're trying to follow suit and trying to do the same things they do to to try and make our path that way and reach other reach the younger and the middle age audience because you know those are the ones who are probably, you know, in relationships and planning to start their, start their futures with their others. And, you know, those are the ones who will have the kids who will have, who will tell their kids about your music. And that's what's so important is for us to reach that audience. Now, you know, we have to reach that audience as quick as possible and get our music to them and just, you know, hopefully they enjoy it and hopefully they'll share it and hopefully they'll take something away from it that, we, you know, maybe we we've helped them with through our music. And that that's that's just so crucial and important. But yes, it is a very completely different ball game, becoming a market marketing person. That is that is an absolute nightmare.
0: From the band's beginnings, you know, through the EP to now, where have you guys, where has Georgia Thunderbolts grown the most?
1: I think we have grown the most. As you know, just you know, young adults really. I mean, our our stage demeanor is a lot more serious. I mean, it's fun, you know, it's really fun, but it's not about it's not about the partying for us. It's not about the. Of course, it's about the good times, but good times are to be had, you know, when you're around people you enjoy. Uh, But it's 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 all about the work, and it's all about the message, and I think we've all come to a head and really realized that these past few years is that we want to make an impact on this world and, you know, try to make it as positive as possible.
0: As far as, you know, musically and the direction that you're going and, you know, the writing, you know, when you think about that first EP with this album and even now, you know, beyond that, because the album was, was recorded a couple years ago uh w- where has the sound evolved with with georgia thunderbolts
1: the sound has evolved into more of a uh it's still us i mean we, we, we will always have our roots you know but the writing even more has, has become even more mature you know as like let's say we were writing about certain things we didn't know much about at the time and we were just trying to listen to the greats and, you know, hear what they did. And now we've had those experiences from being out on the road and we can write our own problems, you know, and we can write our own experiences. And I think that's, that's really, we have grown so much. I mean, I've I started playing piano more and I think that's really cool when, you know, I harmonica and piano, and I'm kind of picking it up as I, as I go along and, you know, you couldn't do that overnight and it's just, that's just with time, you know, and, you know, you you got to really devote yourself to that. But we have learned so much on the road and learned from our mentors, like the guys in Blackberry Smoke and Blackstone Cherry, and you know they they've really really helped us out a lot. And I think that's that that's going to show in the next work of music because it's coming from more of a mature standpoint as, as we're growing. You know, because everybody has to grow but it, it, it's going to be a more mature standpoint of things, you know, it's still going to be the good times. It's still going to be the ups and downs, but you'll always find your way. You know, that, that's pretty much the, the basis of that.
0: When you're writing a song like lend a hand or looking for an old friend, do you ever like think to yourself, this is, this is really, really good. Uh
1: I'd like to think that, but then I turn on the radio and I listen to something like "Against the Wind" and I like, yep, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna go back to school. I'm done. No, I, I know it's a different day and a different age. And that's definitely one of the greatest songs of all time, greatest songwriters of all time. But I just hope for the best. I really do. I do my best to try and, you know, relate to those people. And sometimes those melodies are just so catchy. I'll, I'll start singing them because of the day I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be really good. Somebody's gonna enjoy this.
0: I think it was also, you know, important for you guys to take some of those songs that were on the EP and put them on the album because, you know, in terms of the full body work with this last release versus the EP, the EP was relatively unknown and you couldn't get the physical copy of it. But now, you know, with the album, you know, those some of those songs are included. You know, what was there? Was that a conscious decision of you guys to do that and say, hey, this is really good material, let's put it on there because this album is, is, is really good. And we want to, you know, expose people to what else we've done too as well prior to this.
1: Yeah. Uh, We wanted to show where we were coming from in that place in that time. So we took everything that we had done in that place. And time. I think we had recorded like 17, 18 songs in that, that time period where we were doing all that. And we just wanted to show people where we were at in that, that was our state of music at the time. And each album will be a different state of where the band is at, you know, and and that's, what's really cool about it is we can look back on it and say, Hey, look, that's where we used to be. Now look at where we are now.
0: What was the decision to put Midnight Rider? It's an incredible cover, incredible version of that song. Uh, Where was the thought process on that to put, to include that in the album?
1: Well, we, we did it live. We did it live a lot and we wanted to change it up. And, I mean, we just basically we were sitting around talking and said maybe we should have, you know, a cover that somebody has done before and something a little more well known. And we was like, well, hey, we do this one live. Why don't we throw it down now? And it turned out to be pretty cool.
0: One of the things that, you know, I've talked to others about who've heard the album is, you know, they mention, you know, the great songs that are that are on it. And they always say, man, that version of Midnight Rider is absolutely incredible. that's awesome that is so cool so as far as i know you got the marshall tucker dates coming up and you got some other stuff too as well i mean will there be more announcements soon of what else is happening with you guys this year
1: yes absolutely there will uh everything will be updated we're just we always wait to hear back from richard our manager the booking agency because they're always they're always really working for us and uh i think we've got some things that on the books. I mean, I think we've got a ton cause we're getting offers every day. And, and that's, what's so cool is that, you know, we're everybody, they're starting to listen to the album and they're starting to reach out to us and they're like, we want these guys. and And that's such a great feeling. I mean, it, it's such a great feeling for somebody who like somebody like me who comes from a place like I do and, you know, did this record and, and now people are reaching out, want to hear my music, you know? And I'm like, whoa this is this is unreal and the guys feel the same way they're like never would imagine something like this would happen
0: you know i i imagine you know coming from a small town and then being on tour with bands that you've listened to when you were younger and and uh you know being inspired by them and then all of a sudden to be playing with them and playing before hundreds and thousands of people you know i I, that's got to be a a pretty cool thing to know where you came from to where you're going and where you're at right now.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it, it's a very eerie feeling when you're in the same building and on the stage for them, it's like, is this really happening? And you know, this isn't the twilight zone, right? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, cool, man. Hey man, uh, I, I appreciate you doing this. Um, it was a great conversation. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. Um, Absolutely. I, I love the band. I love the album. And uh, thank you very much for being on the hook rocks. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I'll do it again. Thank you so much. Look forward to next time, everyone. That is TJ Lyle from the band Georgia Thunderbolts. I'm Jay Scott. This is the hook rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other. We'll talk soon.